glad that uh, the blood of Christ has been applied to my account so that uh, uh, I no longer am under condemnation, and that condemnation actually passes over me, and I'm glad for that. Uh, 1 Kings chapter number 19 is where we're going to be tonight, 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, going through the life of Elijah, and tonight uh, we come to uh, something that uh, I think we all need from time to time, and that is uh, a message called Overcoming Discouragement. Um, I think that all of us, uh, like Elijah, have been uh, discouraged at times. Um, maybe, perhaps, you're even in a moment right now of discouragement. And uh, I hope that this message is an encouragement to you and that uh, the Lord uses it to uh, bring you out of that discouragement and to a place of trust in Him. And uh, I pray that is the case. First uh, Kings chapter 19, in verse number 1, the Bible says, And Ahab to told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Well, then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. As he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. He looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head, and he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. The angel of the Lord came again the second time, and touched him, and said, Arise, and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. He arose, and did eat, and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Now, we're going through the life of Elijah here. The series is titled uh, Fire from Heaven, and, and uh, we enjoyed going through that part of uh, Elijah's life when uh, fire came down from heaven as a result of Elijah's great faith. Remember, we talked about how he learned the lessons of faith in, in chapter 17, and then in chapter 18 a little bit more, and to the point where he was able then to have the faith to, uh, to call upon the Lord, and the Lord answered by fire. And then at the end of chapter 18, as Elijah uh, knows that God is going to provide rain, uh, goes and says, hey, it's going to rain. You better prepare for it. Uh, and uh, there was not a cloud in the sky. And yet Elijah still had the faith that it was going to happen. All, all that faith is, is pretty impressive. It's pretty remarkable. It's inspiring. Then we get to chapter 19, and all of a sudden things begin completely, radically, 180-degree change takes place in Elijah. Uh, because as soon as he hears that Jezebel uh, wants to kill him, he all of a sudden runs for his life. And then, and then as he gets down to uh, Beersheba, which, by the way, I, I kind of did a little more study on it this week, and uh, it was about, he, he ran away, he ran away 100 miles uh, from where he was. I mean, so he booked it, and he booked it for a long time. 
And then in verse number four, it says, But he himself then went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. So here he is, Mr. Faith, now Mr. Discouraged. And it didn't, it didn't take long for that to happen. And uh, how many times in our lives where we're going, well, going, going along just fine and our relationship with God is going well, but then something comes into our lives that all of a sudden we go, you know what, this is so discouraging. And, and just yesterday we were doing great and God did some great mighty things and we were rejoicing in the goodness of God and, and how great He is. But now this little thing comes into our life and all of a sudden we're Mr. or Miss Discouraged. Um, now, that may not happen to you, but I can attest and testify uh, and give a witness tonight that that has happened to me. It, it, and sometimes I'm amazed at how little the thing is that comes into my life that causes discouragement. It's like this little thing, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm moping around, and my, my lip is on the ground, because I'm just, like, how did I get to that point? Well, James said it right at the, uh, in his uh, epistle. Uh, James said that Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. See, Elijah knew what it was like to be discouraged, just like you and I know what it's like to be discouraged. Uh, I was reading about uh, former heavyweight boxer James Phil Tillis. He was a cowboy from Oklahoma, of all states, who fought out of Chicago in the early 1980s. Uh, he commented that he still remembers his first day in the Windy City after his arrival from Tulsa. He said, I got off the bus with two cardboard suitcases under my arms in downtown Chicago, stopped in front of Sears Tower. I put my suitcases down and looked up at the tower and said to myself, I am going to conquer Chicago. And he said, when I looked down, the suitcases were gone. <laughs> and uh, that, that's a, a little bit of what happened to Elijah. You know, he was, hey, I'm going to call fire down from heaven and, and uh, we're going to destroy the prophets of Baal. And he did that. But then in the next moment, uh, he hears from Jezebel that uh, she wanted to kill him. And uh, it went from Mr. Faith to great. This is not good. Um, and he goes very quickly down the path of discouragement. Uh, someone defined discouragement like this. Discouragement is dissatisfaction with the past. Discouragement is distaste for the present and distrust of the future. It is ingratitude for the blessings of yesterday. It is indifference to the opportunities of today and insecurity regarding strength for tomorrow. Discouragement is unawareness of the presence of beauty, unconcern for the needs of our fellow man, and unbelief in the promises of old. It is impatience with time, immaturity of thought, and impoliteness to God. Discouragement actually is a little bit of slap in the face to our Lord. And yet many of us do indeed find ourselves in a discouraged state from time to time. And once again, and maybe you're in that mode right now, and I hope that this message is timely for you and that it is a help and an encouragement uh, to you. 
So looking here at Elijah's life and uh, the, the path of discouragement that he goes down, I, I want to look at uh, some things tonight that I hope will help us to get out of our state of discouragement. Whether you're in it or not, we're going to be tempted to go into that state at some point in our life. And so hopefully these thoughts will uh, be a help uh, for whether we're in it now or down the road. So let's look, number one, tonight at the clues of discouragement. What clues are there that would uh, indicate that we may be discouraged and that we can look here uh, from Elijah's life that say, you know what, this guy is discouraged. Well, here's one. First of all, feelings of loneliness. Have you ever felt lonely, like you're all alone, like it's just you and no one really knows what you're really going through? Uh, Elijah sure did, and that, I think, really brought him down that path of discouragement. And uh, we don't see it right in the passage we just read here, but actually, if you go back to chapter 18, there was, there was a little red flag that goes off as Elijah is getting ready to call all the prophets of Baal together. And, uh, and he says here in verse number 22... Here's a little red flag, and we, we commented on it as we uh, went through this passage. But in 1 Kings 18, verse 22, Then Elijah said unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. Uh, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. So here, Elijah feels like he is the only one doing right. He is the only one that is left that wants to honor the Lord. And uh, so there was already a feeling of loneliness uh, right here. Now, obviously, that was not the case, and the Lord reminds him of, of that in chapter 19, and we'll get there here in a minute. But already in chapter 18, he's feeling lonely. And then, and then that loneliness just kind of continues um, in verse number uh, 9 here of First uh, Kings chapter 19. He came thither unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, and he said uh, unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Um, and then in verse number, I'm sorry, I, I, I meant to write verse number 10. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. They seek my life to take it away. And then in verse 14, here he says it again. He repeats, he repeats the, uh, his loneliness in verse 14. I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So he has this, this feeling of loneliness and uh, for those who are feeling like, man, no one really knows what's going on in my life. No one really cares. I'm the only one. That's a sign that, uh, that's a clue that maybe you're discouraged. And another clue that uh, would say that you're discouraged is that you have a desire to quit. Uh, I, it doesn't really exactly say this here in this passage, but... Um, but certainly you can find that in verse number four, where he requested that he would die. Uh, he, he was just like, I don't think this is worth it anymore. 
I'm the only one left doing right, and no one else wants to, and no one else is willing to do what I am willing to do, and woe is me. And uh, he thought, maybe I should just go ahead and quit. And I've certainly have gotten to that point throughout my life uh, where I felt like, man, I'm the only one doing this, and, and I've been discouraged, and these, these feelings are there. Um, I think even of Peter, um, the disciple Peter, after he denies the Lord three times, he catches the eyes of Christ, he goes out and weeps bitterly, and then, and then where do we find Peter eventually? He goes, I go a-fishing. You know what? I'm going, I'm going back to my old life. This whole following Jesus thing, that didn't exactly work out for me because uh, what happened to him? He died, and if we continue doing what he's called us to do, probably we're going to die too. So instead, I'm going to go back to doing what I know and love, and that is fishing. I go a fishing. He's like, I quit. I, I'm going to stop following. I go a fishing. Uh, maybe you've been discouraged and said, you know what? I'm thinking about quitting my job. I'm thinking about quitting school. I'm thinking about quitting my marriage. Think about quitting the Christian life. I'm thinking about quitting coming to church, reading my Bible, praying, believing. I think I'm going to quit. Uh, that's a, a sign that you are extremely discouraged. Uh, what else? And it can get so bad that the third sign is that we end up having suicidal thoughts. In verse number four, I mean, just a few verses after uh, Elijah displays tremendous faith in chapter 18, we find him in verse number four. He sits under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die. He said, it is enough now, Lord, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. He said, you know what, this is, I'm done. I would just be better off dead. It, life would just be easier if I wasn't living. Um, obviously, that's true, but um, here, the thing is, is we can all get to that point if we're not careful. And these are some clues that cue us in to say, I'm discouraged and I need to uh, find some help here. Um, so the clues of discouragement, and we see those here in Elijah's life, but let's look next here at the causes of discouragement. What, what causes discouragement in life? I read this week a testimony from someone who shared a story about their sister. They said, while assembling their new waterbed, I think I used a waterbed illustration on Sunday, uh, but while assembling their new waterbed, um, they said, my sister Betty and her husband Everett realized they would need a hose to fill up the waterbed. So they dashed to the hardware store and bought one. And they attached it to the bed, ran it through the apartment to the kitchen tap, and left to wait for the bed to fill. Well, about an hour later, they returned to check on its progress. And that's when they discovered that Everett had bought a sprinkler hose you know, one of those that uh, have holes in the hose all the way through. Uh, that could be discouraging. Uh, things like that, circumstances like that, but even far worse, can certainly cause discouragement. There are some things in Elijah's life that, that I, I really think led to his state of discouragement. First of all, uh, I think of isolation. 
isolation. He was already feeling alone. He was already feeling like he was all by himself. But then he isolated himself because he just didn't want to be around anybody else. Yeah, I need some time. And the problem was, and we find that here in verse number three, actually. It says, and when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah. And then notice these last few words here, left his servant there. So for that hundred miles, Elijah had a buddy with him, a servant. Uh, but then once he got to Beersheba, he said, you know what? You go ahead and stay here. And then in verse number four, it says he himself went a day's journey in the wilderness. A day's journey, uh, according to my research today, was about, it's about 20 to 25 miles. So for 20 miles, he's by himself. Now, there's nothing wrong with solitude, but when you're already discouraged, when you are already feeling lonely, and you just want to be a, by yourself, that can kind of create this uh, horrible cycle of continual feelings of loneliness. Um, I'm so lonely, so I just need to be by myself. And then that leads to more feeling of by yourself because no one's around you because you've isolated yourself from everybody else. And then that leads to more feeling, see, the, just the, it's a crazy cycle that continues. And that, I believe, what was, what was happening here to Elijah. I wonder if that servant would have went with Elijah and he would have said, hey, you know what? I need someone to encourage me. Uh, I, need, I don't need to be left alone right now. Uh, I wonder if that would have changed his, uh, his whole heart in verse number four. I wonder if that servant would have went with him. Uh, I think even of King Ahab. Remember, uh, preached a few, several, several weeks ago about uh, King Ahab and how he wanted to get the vineyard of Naboth, and uh, he had the uh, he had Ahabitis. He was he was so discouraged because he didn't get what he wanted, and you know what? He wanted to be by himself, so he went and got into his bed and faced the wall. Does he want to be around anybody? Uh, that that's a dangerous thing. So isolation is uh, is can absolutely cause even more discouragement than was already there. Next, I think also a fatigue caused uh, some discouragement in uh, Elijah. I mean, he got, he got, he got done r- running 100 miles. Now he goes another 20 miles. He's exhausted. He's totally drained spiritually, by the way, because of all the, the great faith that he exercised and displayed in chapter 18, I mean, that's draining. I will tell you that on Sundays, after Sundays, I'm drained spiritually. And, uh, you know, well, it's not like you're, you know, going around lifting concrete all day. I know that. But there is something about preaching and, and, and giving and teaching that, uh, that is draining. And, and Elijah here, I think he was completely spent spiritually, emotionally, and physically after running all that way. Um, he was just done. He was exhausted. And when you were in that spot, uh, that's a very vulnerable place to be. Uh, typically, uh, you know, after a great victory, a great, um, a great victory, that's a very vulnerable place 
time of life for any one of us. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, leading up to a big special event, like maybe a wedding uh, or a graduation or something big and, and, and special and, and big lead up, right afterwards, it's a big cliff, it seems like, you know. Um, I, some of you who've had their, your children marry, um, you know, they, they've gotten married and you, you spend so much time planning and getting ready for this. And then the day after, it's kind of like a big letdown. And, I, and I, I can't help but think that's what it was for Elijah. I mean, he, there was so much maybe build up in his mind and his heart regarding what's going to take place on Mount Carmel. And the fire comes down, just a big, wonderful memory and one wonderful experience to see the Lord provide in that way. And then, and then a couple days afterwards, somebody wants to kill him. And he's just like, so discouraged. Um, I know as a pastor, when we have a big event here at Cornerstone, I can tell you it's great the day of, and it's great the build up, but then the next day or two afterwards, that's where it's vulnerable for, dis- I'm, I'm vulnerable for discouragement. And uh, that's certainly what was happening with Elijah. Uh, he was exhausted, he was spent, and as a result, he was completely discouraged. And remember what the Bible says, uh, Peter says in uh, 1 Peter 5 and verse number 8, the devil as a roaring lion, our adversary, the devil as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Um, and, and lions typically want to pick off, they don't go after the fastest in the, in the flock, they, they go after the one who's kind of dragging behind, who's vulnerable, because they're easy prey. And those who are fatigued and tired um, are easy prey. Okay, what else causes discouragement? Um, I would say also sin. Uh, thirdly, sin absolutely causes discouragement. When we are involved in sin and we're disobedient to the Lord, it puts not a great feeling in our hearts as believers. At least it shouldn't. And uh, that could that could cause us to be discouraged. And and the devil definitely uses that against us to discourage us. You know, hey, you're supposed to be one of God's child. Why did you do that? I thought, uh, I thought you loved him. That's, one, that's a great way to show him how much you love him. Meanwhile, bef- like 20 minutes before you sinned, he was the going, hey, come on. You know you want to do this. You know it's going to feel good. You know it's going to be, it, it's, it's what you want to do. And then right afterwards, then he's uh, our adversary. And he's the one accusing, the accuser of the brethren. So... Sin certainly causes uh, great discouragement. I mean, you think about Judas Iscariot, who betrayed the Lord, who committed the terrible sin. Um, He was so discouraged, he went out and hung himself. King Ahab was discontent, and he uh, was greedy, and uh, then he got discouraged because of it. So sin can cause great discouragement. And then, uh, fourthly, trauma can cause great discouragement as well in our lives. Uh, some 
a set of circumstances or a circumstance that is very traumatic in nature uh, can cause great uh, discouragement. I think of um, David uh, had this happen. And if you want to just quickly turn in your Bible to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30, we're in 1 Kings chapter 19 if you flip back to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, things were going okay for David here, but then he comes to chapter 30, and then all of a sudden things go from okay to horrible in a flash. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1, it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. You say, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, verse 2, here's the problem. They had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. Ziklag was where David and his men, their families, were staying. And so the Amalekites come and ransack this town where, where wife and children are. And all of a sudden, they come back and realize that Ziklag has been uh, completely destroyed and uh, their wives are gone. Verse 3, So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Um, so, I mean, this is a traumatic experience. Can you imagine, you know, going on a business trip and coming back, and you're coming back to more, and, well, it's been destroyed. That's actually happened here, hasn't it? <laughs> uh, a couple times. Um, but, uh, but because it was bad guys came in and, 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 and took, took your family away. Well, verse 4, David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. And this is how discouraged they were and, and so much pain they were in. They uh, wept until they had no more power to weep. In verse 5, David's two wives were taken captives. Uh, he mentions the names there. Verse number 6 and David was greatly distressed. And it wasn't just because that his family was gone and his town was ransacked, but here's also why. Verse 6, For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. So a traumatic experience came in, and it caused tremendous discouragement in David. Um, and they, you know, they wanted to kill him too. So we'll, we'll reference back here in a moment. Um, but uh, by the way, let me just say this. When it comes to discouragement, when we are discouraged, it will not only affect yourself, but it will also affect others as well. I can tell you when I'm discouraged, it affects my family. Right, Julie? Um. I, I become, when I become a stinker, it becomes to, that, that, that odor affects the rest of the home, okay? Um, as far as my discouragement, when I'm discouraged and, and uh, not having the right mentality and the right heart, it, it affects the rest of my family. It will also affect the rest of this church. If I'm really discouraged, it's going to affect how I communicate with our church family. Um, see, discouragement actually is contagious. 
remember Moses as he was so frustrated and discouraged with the children of Israel and how discouraged they were. Their discouragement ended up being contagious and Moses caught it. He got infected with discouragement. So much so that when the Lord said the second time to speak to the rock, instead he got so mad and called the, called the children of Israel rebels. Now the truth is they were, but that wasn't exactly his place to be calling them that. And uh, he took his rod and hit the rock out of discouragement and frustration. Um, so when we're discouraged, it's going to not just affect yourself, but it's going to affect others. All right, well, let's get into the last thought here, and this is really the message, and that is the cure for discouragement. This is hopefully why we're all here, the cure for discouragement. Did anybody guess that blank? All right, good. Good job. The cure for discouragement. I should have just said the remedy for discouragement, just to throw you all off. <laughs> but praise the Lord, there is a cure for discouragement. All right, now what... From this passage, okay, there, there's other things we could mention, but from this passage, I want to look at a few of them and then a couple others as well. Um, first of all, adequate physical rest. Verse number five, verse four, Elijah says, I, I'd be better off dead. Well, verse five, this says, and as he lay and slept, under a juniper tree. So he needed to get some sleep. And then in verse number um, six, at the end of that verse, it says, and laid him down again. Again, he was experiencing tremendous fatigue. He needed physical rest. Look, sleep can do wonders to refresh not only your body, but your mind and your spirit as well. Uh, Jesus actually understood the importance of rest. And uh, we've seen him already in our series through the Gospel of Mark and how he, during a storm, was sleeping. Uh, he understood the importance of getting away with the disciples and said, hey, let's go and, and get some rest. And uh, every time they try, they seem to find other people who need more ministry, and so they don't really get the time to rest. But... There's an, there's an emphasis, there's at least an importance that Jesus puts on rest. Certainly the Sabbath. Um, now, we as New Testament believers are not under the law as far as having to keep a Sabbath, but there's some wisdom in keeping a Sabbath, to keeping a day of rest, a day where you, are, you can physically and emotionally and spiritually recharge for the rest of the week. And uh, Elijah absolutely needed some rest. I uh, read about one man who challenged another man to an all-day wood chopping contest. The challenger worked extremely hard, stopping only for a brief lunch break. The other man had a leisurely lunch and took several breaks during the day. At the end of the day, the challenger was surprised and annoyed to find that the other fellow, who took a lot of breaks, had chopped substantially more wood than he had. I don't get it, he said. Every time I checked, you were taking a rest, yet you chopped more wood than I did. How'd you do it? He said, well, you didn't notice, said the winning woodsman, that I was sharpening my axe when I sat down to rest. And uh, that is something that can, it, obviously we can 
rest too much to where we become lazy. But there's a good principle of, of resting so that our axe is sharper, so that we can be sharper for the things that God's called us to do. So get adequate physical rest. Um, if you find yourself discouraged, that might be a cue for you to go take a nap or to take a day off. Now, again, I don't know all of your schedules. I don't know all the flexibilities you have with all of that, but, um, but hopefully you have the ability to carve some time out for some rest. Um, because that could be what you need, and, and that's what Elijah needed here, and he needed to take, he needed to take a nap. Um, super fast, I'll share, you, I'll share this story. Um, when I was in California, of course, most of you know I'm a big hockey fan. Uh, there was a guy in our church who uh, had a couple tickets to a Los Angeles Kings game, he invited me to go to this Kings game, and uh, we, he and I were sitting there, and we were enjoying the game, kind of, but I was sitting here, he was sitting next to me on my left, and then there was another guy who, who kind of had a Russian accent who was sitting next to him. And uh, this guy, uh, this, this, this Russian accent guy, was talking to my friend Doug the entire first period of the game. Well, the first period kind of ended, and and uh, my friend Doug said to me, he said, Eric, you want to go and I'll, I'll buy you some ice cream or a pretzel or something like that. And I'm like, sure, <laughs> why not? And uh, so we get up and start walking and, and then he kind of, we get in line and he's like, actually, I didn't really want to get you something necessarily. I will. I just needed to get away from, and he called this guy Boris Needamint. <laughs> he said, that guy talked to me the entire first period, and the guy had horrible breath. So he needs a mint, and so he just called him Boris Needamint. And uh, I just thought that was the funniest thing. So fast forward a few years to when we have children. And uh, our children, as young ones, start to get cranky and irritable. And uh, I don't know where it came, that memory of Boris Needamint came into my mind. And I said, I think he's being a Boris talking about Seth uh, when he was acting kind of irritable and tired, you know. He's being a Boris need a nap. <laughs> and so ever since then, uh, our kids are, sometimes we'll say, hey, are you being a Boris? And uh, everybody knows that means need a nap. They need to go to sleep. Like they're just acting irrational, and just, they're just, they just need to go to sleep. And, uh, and so when we had faith, though, we're like, oh, what do we need to do here? Because she's not a Boris. So now it's Doris. She, so she was Doris. Are you being a Doris? And sometimes I have been known to be a Boris, uh, need a nap, um, where I kind of get a little cranky, a little irritable, a little discouraged. Uh, maybe it's time for me to go take a nap. Uh, probably wouldn't hurt to have a mint either. Uh, but anyway, so adequate physical rest, and that's what uh, the Lord wanted Elijah to do. Get some rest. Uh, take a nap. So uh, next is proper diet. Proper diet. Verse number five. Uh, it says, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. In verse 6, and he looked, and behold, there was a cake. Amen, we get to eat cake. 
That's, uh, that's right here in the Word of God, black and white. Cake is something, when you're discouraged, go eat some cake. <laughs> right? That's what it's there. It's right there. Cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water in his head, at his head. I imagine it wasn't exactly the cake that you and I think of today, uh, but maybe it was. Uh, chocolate cake with frosting and all that. Um, and then it says, and he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And verse 7, the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat. So he, 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 was, he was told to eat and drink, it looks like three times here in, in this short passage. Um, he was, again, physically fatigued. He needed to get some good food in him. I mean, there is something about a good meal that can encourage you. And when you're feeling discouraged, this isn't mean. This is this isn't like an excuse to, um, you know, I can't even think of the, the term of it. But eat all this comfort food and and uh, down a bag of Doritos just because you're a little discouraged. Okay, um, this is an encouragement though to to get the proper diet. Um, and uh, there is a lot of information on the. Uh, the benefits of having good food in our diet that will help us think right. Um, and uh, I think all of us have been hangry from time to time. Um, having a good meal will do a lot to solve that. Um, think about uh, two people in the Bible who were so discouraged they didn't want to eat, Hannah. She was so discouraged about not having children and dealing with uh, Penaniah that provoked her sore that uh, she did not eat. And then King Ahab, after being so discouraged about not getting Naboth's vineyard, went and laid on his bed and refused to eat. Um, so both of them needed to have some, some good nutrition. So I guess when you're discouraged, eat some good healthy food. That's probably not what you expected to hear tonight on the cure for discouragement is eating. Um, certainly that can get overbalanced uh, or out of balance, but... Um, if you are not eating, it's time to eat a good meal. All right, let's get into some other thoughts here. Uh, number, number, or letter C here, the Word of God. Uh, what do we need for conquering and overcoming discouragement? We need the Word of God, and that's what ended up happening here with Elijah. In verse number 9, he came thither into a cave, lodged there, um, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? So the word of the Lord came to him. And uh, he goes on. And then in verse number 13, or let's go here, verse 11. He said, Go forth, stand upon the mount of the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, breaking pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And, of course, a reference to the Word of God. And verse 13, it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous. And I've read verse 14 already. Verse 15, the Lord said unto him, Go, return thy way into the wilderness of Damascus. And then he gives him some instruction in verses 15 and 16. And... Uh, and, and some promises in verse 17. Um, and then an encouragement in verse number 18. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, 
all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So here the word of God was there to encourage uh, this prophet of God. So the word of God is not there just to encourage Elijah, though. The word of God is there to encourage all of us when we're discouraged. Um, I realize that, you know, it's probably not the time to go and read a genealogy when you're discouraged. Um, genealogies can be really, dis- really encouraging, I suppose, when you really get into them and dig there. But uh, typically when I'm discouraged, I run to the Psalms. Uh, I remember when my mom passed away, I've mentioned that several times, um, when she did right afterwards, I kind of made a personal decision that I was going to read through the book of Psalms very quickly. I would read like five or five to ten chapters a day because I, I knew I needed encouragement. And so I would, I would challenge you when you are discouraged to run to the Bible, to run to the Word of God. Second Chronicles thir- uh, 31 verse 4 says, uh, moreover, he commanded the people that dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portions of the priests and the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. So the law of the Lord has an encouraging effect in our life. The word of God does that. So when we're discouraged, it's not the time to run away and think, I'm going to quit reading my Bible. No, that's the time to say, I need to spend more time in the Bible to be encouraged Psalm 19 and verse number 8, the Bible says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 111, Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, They, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. When our heart needs to be rejoicing, when it needs to be encouraged, there's nothing quite like a good season in God's Word. So the Word of God, and then... Uh, there is a responsibility, fourthly here, to encourage yourself in the Lord. I mentioned, uh, we read a little bit in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 6. At the very end of verse number 6, it says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord. He didn't just encourage himself. The way he encouraged himself was in the Lord. Uh, David, uh, the psalmist wrote this psalm, Psalm 42, in verse number 5. He said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? And then he says, Hope thou in God. See, the things, thing is, we need to get our eyes off of our circumstances that are causing discouragement in our lives. And we need to get our eyes onto the Lord. Isn't that what we've been trying to say all year long with our theme, Looking Unto Jesus? thing is, is we can get so discouraged like Peter did as he was looking at the uh, waves as he was walking on the water. He got his eyes off of the Lord and on to his circumstances. And, and, I, and I know that I probably would have done the same thing, but uh, here's the uh, challenge for us. Get our eyes off of all that because all that will do will help us to kind of continue seeking. Sinking. Um, we need to keep our eyes on the Lord who will keep us above all that stuff. Um, Psalm 42 and verse number 6, the very next verse in that passage I just referred to a moment ago, says, O my God, my soul is cast down within me, therefore will I remember thee. He said, 
I'm so discouraged, but I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. This isn't in your notes here, but uh, one, one helpful thing as well is listening to good godly music. Remember when uh, King Saul had a troubled heart? He called for David to come and play music, and the Bible says that Saul, that the soul of Saul was refreshed. Uh, so when we're discouraged, that's a time to run to God's Word, to encourage ourselves in the Lord, and even listen to good uh, music that will encourage us. So sometimes when I'm discouraged, I'm going to listen to some good hymns and I'll be reminded of some good spiritual truths in that way. Fifthly, and lastly here, um, go encourage someone else. So when we are discouraged, uh, this is a good thing to do. Go encourage someone else. Remember, uh, joy is spelled J-O-Y, Jesus, others, you. The thing is, is when we're discouraged, what are we thinking about? Thinking about myself and my life and my woes and my blisters. We're not thinking about others. We're not thinking about the needs of others. So one way to encourage ourselves is to encourage someone else. And I'll say this, the greatest way to encourage someone else is to give them the gospel. Uh, for those who don't know the Lord, that is the greatest way to encourage them and yourself. Psalm 126 and verse 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him. I think about the story in Acts chapter number 8 where Philip went because the Lord led him to go to talk to an Ethiopian eunuch and give him the gospel. The eunuch ended up getting saved and baptized right there. And the Bible says in Acts at the end of that passage that uh, Philip was caught away and the eunuch saw him no more. And the Bible says, and he went away, went his way uh, rejoicing. And uh, the question is, who is he referring to, Philip or the eunuch? And I think the uh, practical answer on that is yes, both of them went away rejoicing. Eunuch was, went away rejoicing knowing that now his sins are forgiven and that he has a right relationship with the Lord and a home in heaven. But then Philip, because uh, he was rejoicing because he had a part in giving the gospel to somebody. And uh, I'll tell you this, sometimes when I'm really discouraged, I'll just go and say, you know what, I'm going to go knock on some doors right now. And that has a way to encourage me, get my eyes off myself and on the needs of others. And so uh, instead of focusing on yourself and how terrible your life is, go get the gospel out. Now may the Lord help us to be like the little boy uh, who was playing Little League, first inning, and a uh, neighbor comes by and, 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 and asks his neighbor friend who is uh, playing in the field, outfield, hey, what's the score? 18 to nothing. They're up by 18. It's 18 to nothing, and they're winning. And like, man, why aren't you a little discouraged and frustrated? He said, well, why should I be? Because we haven't been up to that yet. See, he had a, a heart of hope, and uh, may the Lord help us to have that as well. Let's, let's end in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 very quickly here. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 
I just want to read two verses here, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pray and move on to some prayer requests. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9. Here Paul says this, We are troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. Look, the truth of the matter is, folks, we are going to live in some days where we're going to go through some troubled times. We're going to be perplexed. We're going to be persecuted. We're going to be cast down. But we don't have to let it cause us to be discouraged. We can live like Paul did with our eyes upon the Lord and uh, where we have a, a, a focus of faith instead of letting these things get us all the way down like it did for Elijah. Now, I know we all have those times, and we've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, um, but, we, but we don't need to live there. And uh, if you're discouraged this, this evening, I hope that these thoughts will help uh, get you out of that discouragement and into uh, a right relationship with the Lord. Uh, let's pray together, and uh, we'll move on to some prayer requests. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for... Uh, putting the good, the bad, the ugly uh, of the life of Elijah here. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would help us, uh, for those who are here discouraged, pray, Lord, that uh, you would now help them to uh, find their way out of that discouragement by keeping their eyes on you and, and applying these, some of these practical uh, truths from your word. Uh, Lord, I ask that uh, you would uh, just help us to keep our eyes upon you now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's uh, look here at some prayer requests. Um, 